With each module's curriculum, the expertise of the InterMBA faculty moves us forward in our journey to become more wise and compassionate at work. We've created this podcast platform so that these sessions are available to you not only on the learning platform, but also here in audio format. It's our hope that having the core curriculum available in this way will enable you to experience these teachings at your own pace and in the way that works best for you. As we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I have been a leader across different kinds of industries and sectors, from higher ed to technology, to working with government and uh, law enforcement and other folks and places that can get really sticky in leadership. And like many of you, I've had to learn how to navigate these places with a mindful and compassionate presence. That, to me, is the superpower that we're going to dive into during our time together. Before we get started, I'd like to give us just a moment to arrive. And in this moment, it gives us an opportunity to make sure that our bodies and our minds are in the same place. So I'm going to invite you to just find a comfortable way to position your body. And if it's comfortable for you, you can close your eyes or you can simply cast them in a softened downward gaze, allowing the spine to elongate allowing the body to set in, in a place that is both comfortable and alert. And begin by taking a few gentle, full, deep breaths in and out as you allow the body to settle, the breath to settle, and the mind to settle. As you do this, you might notice some thoughts, some distractions that dance through the mind. And I invite you to consider placing those thoughts, any worries into a little suitcase and placing that suitcase outside the door so that you can pick it up when and if you choose to do so later. Breathing in, breathing out. With this next gentle and full breath, begin to feel your feet on the floor and your, your body's in the chair. And when you're ready, if your eyes are closed, opening them and bringing your attention back to this virtual room together. All right. Well, in our journey, because that's what all of this is today and the subsequent sessions, it's a journey. And who we are today and how we're showing up has taken years, decades to take root so that we are who we are in each and every moment. 
as we navigate this journey, we're going to look at some, some key areas. We're going to start with emotional intelligence. We're going to begin really focusing on self-awareness and mindfulness, mindful awareness, and the context in which all of these things coexist together. We're going to take a little bit of time to look at the body, understanding the data and information the body shares with us, the neurology, the brain and neuroscience of it. And then we're going to close in session four around um, identity and intersectionality, because all of us are showing up in our ecosystems with our own identities and our thoughts and belief systems about ourselves and others and the respective places in the world. So with that, why don't we get started? The first thing I want to talk about is to lay this framework of emotional intelligence. We're not doing a deep dive. This is not an emotional intelligence training, but there's something really important about emotional intelligence that helps us understand it as the vehicle to be mindful and present in our leadership capacities. And leadership just simply means how we're showing up and understanding the nature and quality of our presence and our impact across our ecosystems, our ripples. So some of you may already be aware that, that emotional intelligence consists of four key quadrants, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. And the one that is most important, the foundational domain upon which all the others are built is self-awareness. Now, self-awareness, we're going to dig into that particularly in this session, but the other ones I just wanted to share quickly what we mean when we, we refer to them. Self-management is how we take the information and our experiences and respond to them. Now, either we can be skillful <laughs> and, and respond skillfully, or we can knee-jerk react, or we can be an autopilot. But the self-awareness and the self-management is really important. The relationship between them is as we cultivate our self-awareness, it then allows and informs what it is that we need to self-manage. And those two together help us with our social awareness, how we understand what is happening with others, to others, in our presence, and uh, how, how we are impacting them as well. And then finally, relationship management pulls all those three domains together. And that's what we use in the leadership space. Because leadership is about relationships. It is about pulling people together and in creating the dynamics for psychological safety, for leadership and followership, all of which help organizations and communities begin to flourish. Now, some of you may have heard of this research that was done in 2017 by Tasha Yurik and later uh, released publicly in 2018. It was around self-awareness. And as part of the research study of the experiment, she asked people in the group, how many people here believe they are actually self-aware? They found that only 15 to 20% of people in the study who thought they were self-aware actually were self-aware. And here's why. We tend to do a very good job of knowing when we're angry, frustrated, tired, happy. That's the internal lens of self-awareness. But the external lens is where people began to fall a little short. That external lens of self-awareness was understanding, for example, when you walk in a room, how do people respond? Do they stop talking? 
Uh, do they fold and cross their arms? Are they disengaged or engaged? Do they seem uh, like they want you to be there? And so sometimes people would have conversations with people and think, wow, that conversation was great. I got all the information I needed. While the other person on the other side of the conversation may think, wow, that person was a real jerk. They gave me no time to speak. They kept fire shotting me with all these questions. And then they just walked away. Uh, so it, there is this external lens. And what that tells us is such a great reminder. And that is that context matters. When we think about how we show up in our presence, it matters what else is happening. Where are we? With whom are we speaking and interacting? So we have to think about awareness in this framework of context. So let me give you some guiding uh, thoughts to, to consider. If we think about awareness happening in context and we imagine three concentric circles and in that innermost circle, there's me, there's you. We sit in the innermost circle of awareness. That's where we start to think about what is happening in that internal world and how we are showing up and interacting with the external. The next layer of this concentric circles or context is others. How are others showing up? How are we being received and perceived by others and vice versa? And then finally, that, that third outermost ring is the surrounding environment. And all of that ladders together. The self at the center travels through each and every layer. Then bringing together and cultivating this ecosystem that is what we navigate in every day as leaders, as people in family, in communities, and even as places as simple as the grocery store. So context matters and our sense of awareness travels through all of those uh, circles of context as we navigate our ecosystem. Now, when we think about that, we have to think about how do I cultivate this level of awareness through context? And I got to tell you, mindful awareness is one of my most favorite expressions because I think it actually brings in this notion of context. Now, the definition I'm going to offer to you for mindfulness is one that I think is full and rich of context. It is actually the definition that we use, uh, that we borrow from the Mindful Nation UK report, and it defines Mindfulness as paying attention to what's happening in the present moment, in the mind, body, and external environment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. Now, if we just pause there for a moment, people are say, you know, people often can say, yeah, you know, I get it. It's being fully present in the moment. It's paying attention now. Then the question is, but to, what are you paying attention to in the present moment? There are all these cascading things that we are often aware of. And this definition provides that context. In the present moment, we're also aware of the mind, body, and our surroundings. And then the part that people often have challenges with, including myself, is the doing that, approaching that, being that from a place of kindness and curiosity. Because guess what? No matter where we are in the world, most of us have been taught to judge. We make snap judgments all the time. We call it decisions. But actually, there is a difference between being in judgment and certainty and being in discernment and curiosity. And this definition in context invites us to shift 
from judgment and certainty into discernment and curiosity. And so when we can do that, we start to open the door for what else might be possible and what might be present. So a natural question might in fact be, how do I build that muscle? How do I start to, as a leader, as first a person, but then to bring that into my leadership, how do I begin to flex and develop that muscle of mindful awareness so that it includes context? Well, the first place, like every place we have to begin is with ourselves. And so I want to share two studies with you um, before we end this, this first piece together. And the first study, it was done in, um, in uh, across Europe and Asia. It was multi-generational, multi-gender, uh, multicultural. And what they did was they put two black silhouettes of the human body next to each other. And then to the right of the second silhouette, they had a picture or a video or an image suggesting a particular um, emotion. And what they invited the participants to do was in one silhouette to color in with the reds, the orange, the yellows, places in the body where they might notice some kind of feeling or sensation when they experience that emotion. The second silhouette, they invited them to use the color blue. If you experience that emotion and you start to feel a dulling or a heaviness or a numbness in the body, color that blue. And if they felt nothing at all, they would just leave it black. Now, here's the interesting thing that happened. When they superimposed all the bodies, the silhouettes on top of each other, they started to see a trend. And that trend suggested that regardless of our ethnic or racial background, regardless of our gender, regardless of our generation, that we all generally tended to feel the same sensations of a particular emotion in the same general areas of the body. So you can see in this little sort of cropped picture that, you know, for example, happiness, how that might be translated into physiological sensations in the body. There are physiological sensations that show up in the body. So the sooner we can identify that information, the more skillful we can become in navigating our landscape as leaders, as parents, as friends, as siblings, and all other places. And here's why. Because this next study, the Iowa Gambling Test, tells us that we, we know for, from this research that things that show up in the body begin to influence and impact our decision-making and behavior. In this particular sense, there was an uh, opportunity for ex people to come into this research, and they were given four decks of cards, two red and two blue. Now, what they weren't told was the red deck was kind of rigged. They weren't going to win very much with the red deck, but the blue deck would help them maximize their winnings. So what they did was gave the cards to the participants and said, your job is to play this gambling game and to maximize your winnings, win as much as you can. People began to play. And on average, at about 50 cards in, people started to have a little hunch, like, hmm, something's fishy. Something's going on. I'm not sure what it is, but something's up. They kept playing. And it wasn't until 80 cards in where people started to have full cognitive awareness on average. Aha, Eureka, I get it. These red decks, you're not going to win very much with them. We actually need to win with these blue decks. And so what they saw was just simply intuition, instinct starting to show up around 50 cards, and full awareness 
happening at 80 cards. But here's where it got really interesting. They also attached electrodes to the palms of the hands of the participants. What they found on average at about 10 cards in, that people's palms began to perspire and they just started to switch for the blue cards from red. They, their hands began to perspire as they reached for the red and then they shifted to the blue, not even aware that that's what they were doing. So think about that. At just 10 cards in, that is 40 cards before a hunch and 70 cards before full cognitive awareness, where the information in the body was starting to influence not just decision-making, but also behavior. Reaching for the red, changing, switching, and, and ultimately selecting the blue. So here's what we know from these two studies, this Finland study and this one, which is, was done at an Iowa State University called the Iowa Gambling Task Study. What we know is that if we can identify the sensations in the body, we can help decrease and minimize the time that it shows up as a physiological sensation in the body and the time that it shows up as full cognitive awareness. If we can decrease that gap, we start to be more participatory and aware in decision-making and behavior. And holy cow, what leader can't benefit from closing those potential blind spots by being aware of the data available in the body. So with that, we are going to close this session with a type of body scan that allows us to build and create our first body map. And after you do this, you can use it for any emotion and then begin to use it as a tool for yourself each day. All right. So as we do this particular practice, there may be times where you want to pause the video so that you can write down some notes or some things, and then you can resume it to continue. Now, the first thing I invite you to do is to grab a piece of paper. And on that paper, draw the silhouette, just a silhouette of the human body. And above the head, write the word love. And when you finish that, Underneath the feet, write location of sensations, and then underneath that, type of sensations. And with that map, that template, you can just simply set it aside while we do our practice. And after we practice, you'll come back to it and fill it in. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. Just as before, when we did our moment to arrive, I'm going to invite you to find a comfortable space and place to position your body, having your feet flat on the floor and, and allowing the knees to be directly above the ankles, the shoulders above the waist. Imagine perhaps even a kind of a cord gently stretching upward your spine. You can rest your hands on your thighs or the chair, armchairs. And begin again by taking three full gentle breaths in and out. Again, allowing the mind to settle, to let go of the conversations we were just having Allow the body to settle into this place of 
comfort and attentiveness. And then allow the, the breath to just simply drop into its natural rhythm and cadence. Breathing in, breathing out. Next, I'm going to invite you to bring to mind someone you love, someone you would move heaven and earth for, someone that you want to feel loved, supported, respected. Imagine this person is the person that whenever you think about them or see them, you can't help but smile. In fact, in this very moment, the edges of your mouth might be turning slightly up into a gentle smile. This is a person that you may see them in your mind's eye playing like a movie, doing something that brings them joy, Perhaps it's something that you both are doing together. It is your greatest wish for this person that they feel heard, valued, and seen, and that they belong. And that they always know that they matter. Take a moment just bring all of that forward as you feel the love you have for this person. Taking a gentle, full breath in and out, I invite you to Press pause on that imaginary movie that may be playing in your mind's eye and bring your attention to the body. Take a moment to scan the body to see if you notice any locations in the body where you might feel some kind of sensation. Now, if you don't feel any, that is perfectly human and natural. You may, your sensation may simply be neutrality. See if you can scan and be curious and kind about whatever it is that you notice. As you move through the body from head to toe or toe to head or whichever direction feels natural to you, just noting the locations where you experience a sensation or neutrality. Take 
taking another gentle and full breath in and out. And this time, going back to those locations and perhaps identifying a descriptor or label that describes the sensation that you notice in a particular location in the body. Perhaps it's tingling or warmth or neutrality or anything else. What is the type of sensation you notice in these locations? All right, taking another gentle and full breath in, disconnecting from exploring the body, and now turning your attention to the mind, to the thoughts and stories or mental narratives that might be accompanying these sensations, the thought and feelings associated with this person. See if you can identify some phrases or labels there. What kind of thoughts are they? What's the nature and quality of these thoughts? Breathing in and breathing out. I'm going to invite you now to simply let go of those thoughts and return your your attention back to the breath, beginning to notice your feet on the floor and your bodies in the chair. Taking another deep breath in and out. If your eyes are closed, beginning to slowly open them and bringing your attention back to the virtual room. As you do this, you may wanna pause the video for a moment to simply place a pause and turn to your template that you created before this practice And in the body silhouette, you can color, shade, hashtag X, whatever you like, squiggly lines of the, you know, on the, on the silhouette where you felt locations of sensations. And then you can also give the labels for the types of sensations that you felt underneath the silhouette. And then finally, you can close that practice by writing on the sides some labels or descriptions of the kind of thoughts you had. And when you do that, you will have your first body map complete. And when you do that, you now know how you can do that for other emotions like frustration or fear, anger, joy, happiness. Whatever the most common ones for you may wanna do this again because what you can do then and see how you can check in with your body periodically throughout the day. So for example, I tend to hold stress in my jaws, so I know to check in periodically. Am I clenching my jaw? Do I need to relax my lower jaw? And you too can do the same. All right, 
Well, we're going to pause now so you can go and do that. And that will be the end of this session. Thanks for joining me for this session. I look forward to seeing you next time.